there are far fewer foreigners in China right now. So if you apply to a, a prestigious, like the best university mm-hmm. in China, Tsinghua University, mm-hmm. and you apply to any program that you want right now, mm-hmm. you'll probably get in and you'll probably get a scholarship. Would you rather, Bebe, if someone who's never been to the United States study in L.A. or study in Yosemite? Uh, I think a lot of uh, my assumption is a lot of Americans are going to want to come and see Chinese cities. Either study at Fudan or Jiaotong, which both of us already mentioned. Which is better is they offer five million in scholarship funds every year. What? So go search for IES Shanghai program. I'm sorry. I'm no longer going to be host of the bridge. Goodbye, everyone. (laughs) Wait. (laughs) Welcome to the bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show which connects East and West. My name is Jason, and today with me is Bebe. Hello, Jason. I'm looking forward to today's show. Hey, if you guys like the content, please remember to subscribe. All right. China's President Xi Jinping said during his recent visit to San Francisco that China is ready to invite 50,000 young Americans to China on exchange and study programs in the next five years to increase people-to-people exchanges, especially with the youth. What does this mean for China and the U.S.? What do you think, Bebe? Wow, I think we have the blandest opening and then boom, (laughs) very (laughs) exciting news. Yes, I was very excited to hear that because as we all know, uh, the past few years have not been normal as we know it, right? But things are hopefully going back Mm -hmm. to not just normal, but a better future with more exchanges between students, especially uh, among the youth. Now, when I read this in the news and a lot of other things about the meeting between the two presidents in San Francisco, I was thinking, uh, you know, I hear about people to people exchanges Mm -hmm. in the Chinese media, right? Both in mainstream Mm -hmm. Chinese media and also like personal videos of uh, students from foreign countries, um, you know, how they introduce China to other people outside. But then I rarely hear about people Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. exchanges or other activities while I was in the States. In the mainstream media, is that a wrong impression? Like, do people like politicians Hmm. or just in the mainstream media, do people even talk about like people to people level kind of exchanges? I don't think that's part of American political culture to talk about it in that way. No, I don't think that is something Uh, that our media or politicians are keen to highlight because the United States already thinks of itself as uh, filled with foreigners and deliberately so, you know, um, not just that they're, oh, oh they're I here, see. but they're over, America is constituted of foreigners. I mean, you have to keep in mind mm. the terrible truth mm-hmm. that the indigenous population of the North America has largely been, you know, either killed or died off from disease and that almost everyone living in the continental United States is from somewhere else. I see. Okay, so I guess the mentality can be a little different. It's already like so mixed up in a way. Kind of, um, yeah. But, you know, here when I read that in the news, I was like, yeah, oh, that's important, right? It's important for people to talk among themselves, even though things might not be at the brightest point between the two countries at the state level. Mm-hmm. But then it was like how mm-hmm. absent it is from a mainstream media back in the US. So maybe it was just my expression. Mm-hmm. But anyhow, this is good news. And we are looking forward to seeing more foreigners in China, especially young people, right, who have, I hope, who have less prejudice about what the rest of the world looks like, what the rest of the world mm-hmm. can offer. And I have a question for you, Jason. Sure. So wind back, let's say, 50 years mm-hmm. when you like before you came to China mm-hmm. what did you think of China like was it this like exotic place mysterious I honestly didn't know much about China I mean I had studied modern world history so I should know a lot about different countries in the world but most of my studies were focused on Europe the Americas Africa and India actually and I had taken one course on Chinese history but I mean I really didn't know anything it was a bunch of mm. names that and they were doing things, but and there was no context or meaning or it was all abstract. And so really, I knew there was a place called Beijing, a place called Shanghai, and there was a place and they I were see. in a place called China. And that 
that's pretty much it. <laughs> mm. Well, because I think when thinking from my perspective, like people, when people in China, when they think about going to the U.S. for younger people studying the U.S., we kind of know what to expect because we see it so much in films, mm -hmm. right, in movies or in the media in general. Mm -hmm. Like that's modernity, you know, that's modernization at its mm -hmm. shiniest representation. <laughs> so it's not mysterious to us. And here everybody studies English. But then from the other direction, though, mm -hmm. like I think it seems a lot more mysterious. Right, because China is not presented in the media in its true form, right? Well, I think that there's a difference between 15 years ago and now. Mm. Because 15 years ago, China was not considered to be one of the greatest powers of the world. But today it is. Mm. So I think, you know, when I, 15 years ago, 2005, 2008, something like that, me looking around the world, China was on my radar, but it wasn't like a big focal point for Americans. Mm -hmm. But today, mm -hmm. China is talked about in the media Constantly. So I imagine, and you know, a lot of people have more access to computers, technology, YouTube, all of these American media sites. I imagine people actually know a lot more now than I did before I came over. Mm -hmm. And I do agree with you that U.S. mainstream media representations don't really represent how China really is. But I don't think that affects the youth in the way that people mm -hmm. assume it might, because, you know, trust in mainstream media, both television and print, is below 40% and according to pretty much every survey. So I think, and especially among the youth, the youth primarily get their media from TikTok. So, you know, I think that there actually may be an entire new American youth that look at China and they don't see the crazy things that you might find on like evening news on CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, and so forth. I don't think that's how mm. the youth really see China. They see past mm -hmm. the mainstream media representations of what China may actually be like. And I agree with what you said earlier mm -hmm. in that there are probably a lot of American youth who are open-minded about the idea of coming and checking out China for themselves. Mm, you know how in the past few years, and even now, the Sino-US relationship, it's not at its best. And I think that gives a kind of a pessimistic glow to our thinking about, you know, the relationship between the two countries and what we can do. But I think maybe we should push that back from our mind a little bit, right? And not let that impression influence our decisions to explore. Because I think on the people-to-people -people level, there's still so much opportunities, right? So much that we can explore and look forward to. Mm -hmm. And I think that following the meeting between the two presidents in San Francisco, there will be more flights between the two countries and more direct flights. There are. Which is yeah. good news because tickets will be more affordable hopefully going back at least to pre-COVID levels, right? I understand there is a feeling amongst people like you and me who do read mainstream media like the New York Times and CNN and stuff that maybe Americans don't have the brightest opinion of China. You know, I've actually been talking to a lot of Americans who are in America lately, and they almost all universally don't hmm. believe that. They almost all universally, the people I've talked to, oh. think that the media is deliberately trying to trick them into disliking China. So I think that we can actually be a little mm. optimistic that the mm -hmm. youth, at least the younger generations, are not buying into the media narratives that are being fed to them. And so, you know, my primary concern with these 50,000 students coming to China over the next five years is that they be prepared for what it is like in a foreign country at all. Because mm. when I came over, I came over to work for a major international company. Mm -hmm. And I came over with a lot of other people who were coming over at the same time. There were flights landing every week or two to mm -hmm. come to work at my company. And there were always three or four or five new people. And the primary concern for our company, and I eventually moved into leadership there, mm -hmm. was that about one third of them, mm -hmm. you know, would run away. And they were called runners. Run away. These people. As in. Yeah. Runners. Oh. Okay. Yeah, they would they would get on a flight and then maybe either at the airport in Beijing or Shanghai, they'd call us and say, oh, I couldn't take it. You know, what? like, I don't understand. Yeah, there was a lot of confusion and uh, anger. Just, these people usually they were not prepared that people in China. Guess what? They speak Chinese. I know. So, it's like yeah, they speak a different have, language. 
speech? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, a lot of them get frustrated. No one speaks to me in English or I didn't make any friends or, uh, you know, like I don't know how to pay my bills or like, mm, I don't, mm, I, the, a granny yelled at me one time. <laughs> and so like, they are not prepared for the, the fact that China is mm, a very different culture mm, and a very different place and that they can't just, you know, walk around and just speak English mm -hmm. and order cheeseburgers all the time. And this actually is a huge concern because I want the maximum amount of these 50,000 mm. people who come over here mm. to be, have a positive experience and to carry the, that mm. experience of what China is really like back home. And I told you the story, baby, of the old lady who was yelling at me in the street, quote, unquote, wearing yelling the wrong at clothes yeah. in the middle of the summer. I was thinking about right. that just I want, today. I Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was. I wanted to reiterate. I tell this story more than once to different people mm. because it tells this granny who was telling me I was wearing inappropriate clothes for the summer, <laughs> and she was yelling at full volume. Mm -hmm. She did mm -hmm. not mean me harm. She was trying to be instructive to someone mm -hmm. younger than her by decades who clearly didn't understand that this was not an appropriate mm -hmm. thing mm -hmm. to do. Yeah, that's me. And she was trying to make it a teachable moment about how I should dress in the future, and maybe that in America, you know, that wouldn't happen. But here in China, people do mm. that. And I think it's a positive thing, but p Americans might have some adapting to do. The grandma did not want to see you faint in the middle <laughs> yes. of the street right. on a scorching summer day <laughs> clad in thick layers of black clothing. Yeah. What, what's funny is when we got to the curb on the other side of the street, there were two or three other elderly people next to her who were walking along with us as we were going. And I was saying, how, 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 how? Oh, mm. I was saying, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> These other people, after I right, right, right. seemed to take her advice and they could tell, they all kind of nodded in unison that th mm. their mission had been accomplished mm. and then went Good about boy. their lives. Yeah. And so basically they were all like, we're older than yeah. you, kid. Yeah. That's not healthy. And I'm, I'm 44. So, like, you know, I stopped dressing like that in the summer. But in their eyes. Yeah, yeah exactly. They're you like were me. like their son, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. That's very Chinese culture. You don't do that in America. You don't tell someone you can't dress like that. Right, right. <laughs> it just not doesn't You'll be happen. greeted with, go mind your own business, right? Things like that. Exactly. Um, right. anyhow. Who are you to tell I, me I'm, how to dress? And then, you know, sweating like <laughs> a pig, whatever. <laughs> I'm really excited about the part of the information you sent me about studying abroad in China. It's funny saying that because I'm in China. Mm -hmm. So I never really thought about it from that perspective. You know, ooh, going to a strange place called mm -hmm. China and study there. And <laughs> it would be me like going to India to study. You know, I wouldn't even know where to start. Didn't you study in America? I did. But then, you know, I'm familiar with both places. As I mentioned, going to America is just it's not exotic. You know what I mean? It's like, you know what you're going into. You know, ethnically Chinese, right? You went to America to study and you got a degree there. Like, did people ask you about it while you were there? Mm. Did they see you as some like foreigner or did they just see you as just another student? How was your experience studying abroad in the United States? It was a very friendly experience, actually. Mm -hmm. It was what over 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. So there weren't I think I was there for high school. So I think I was the only from China in that high school, at least at that year. Like mm -hmm. another Chinese came mm -hmm. the year following that. People were really nice to me. I wasn't weird or anything. I was quiet because I couldn't mm -hmm. speak the language. Other than that, it was uh, people were, were helpful. And my teachers were very understanding because I just didn't speak the language. So it took me a while. Mm -hmm. I was a bit lonely, though, I have to say, because it was hard to make friends when you don't speak the language. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it, people were like, from my perspective, the students were different in a way that like girls cared a lot about their looks. Like, especially about their hair. <laughs> I probably mentioned this in the show before. Like, I, there's this one girl in my classroom who, while sitting in class, kept pulling out brushes. Like, she, I think she pulled out at least four or five brushes of different sizes and design wow. like while in math class and I was just sitting there wow. fascinated because like that just wouldn't happen in a Chinese classroom at least not when I was studying in China and she pulled out one and started brushing her hair like we don't brush our hair in class and then after that she started she pulled in another of a different design and like was curling her hair and then another and then another I was like wow America <laughs> is this what you're like um so anyhow I don't want to go into a lot of details it was um a fun and exciting experience mm -hmm. but there was nothing you know exotic like if I went to like somewhere in Africa or like go to India, I would expect things to I would expect to see things that I just didn't know would happen like that. But not if you're going to the U.S. because you just you're kind of familiar with it. 
from the movies, from what you read about it and how modern and all fancy it is. So Hollywood has, I guess, brainwashed us. Hollywood has trained <laughs> the world what to yeah. expect. I had the opposite. I had I knew an Indian gentleman who moved to the United States, Lock Bender, and he was living in Oakdale, California at the time I, I knew him. And he said that Hollywood lied to him and that he came to the United States expecting everyone to be driving red sports cars and to have swimming pools. <laughs> so uh. maybe Hollywood is not the best representation of what America's really like. <laughs> I suppose, yeah. And actually, what you said and it reminded me whether or not you know someone from the country you're going into is really important, right? If you know someone who came from that country, mm. who have uh, or li lived or studied there, and then instantly you have this familiarity or a bond, and you can ask that person for honest information. Mm -hmm. But if, let's yeah. say, I know nobody from India. And I'm just going there to study. Right. That's a huge gap there. I have to bridge like emotionally, mentally. And that's probably the case for people who want to study in China. Mm -hmm. I want to mm -hmm. say it's not that scary. The language will be a problem, sure. at least for a few months, I think. Mm -hmm. But there's so many people here that speak English. Mm -hmm. If you just, you know, talk to them in English, they will know that they can help you that way. So, you know, we can talk about some of these study abroad programs yeah. that people can choose from if they want to come to China to study. Oh, yeah. listening to the bridge I want to come to that, but I want to talk, keep talking about this because I think the adapting thing is a lot more complicated. We could potentially, if anyone's listening, we could potentially really get them ready. Okay. What you just mentioned about having a friend, a lot of people do that when they come to China, when they come to even a big city like Beijing or Shanghai or Chongqing or whatever, mm. they come here and then they make friends with other people who speak their own language. Uh, so presumably if they're from the United States, they're speaking English or Spanish is their first language. Mm. And so when they come over, they tend to find friends right away on campus or here or there who speak their own language. Mm -hmm. And, you know, these universities, they do offer Chinese classes. Mm. And I'd like to discourage people from only making friends with other expats, other people from foreign <laughs> countries who speak their own language, mm -hmm. because that will slow you down at being able to learn Chinese and adapt to the culture here. I just want to throw that out as a recommendation. Make Chinese friends if you can. Go find your own Chinese grandma, granny. <laughs> she will <laughs> yeah. teach you everything from how to cook to how to dress. Yeah. I have a friend who's uh, on Twitter. I engage with her. She's a, I, I don't remember her name right now, but one of the things she mentioned that was really a really good tip is if you need mm. a language partner, go to the park in the middle of the day and find the old people. <laughs> if you just sit down with them, they are infinitely uh, patient and will want to try to talk to you in Chinese and they have nothing better to do than just because they are, talk to you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they think they'll have the patience to, you know, repeat things over and over again. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. A, I think that's a really good idea because you can see how senior Chinese people live, right? How they exercise in all kinds of weird ways and how musical <laughs> they are because they put up performances of all kinds of, you know, different music performances and dances. Right. It's, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. it's just a refreshing sight in itself. So the time <laughs> to go besides midday is early in the morning. I mean, like, yeah. what, six? Right. Break sure. of I mean, yeah, they're but they're busy at six. They're doing Tai Chi. But if you uh, show up at like eight, they're all just <laughs> sitting around like gossiping and playing cards. Oh, or like <laughs> musical ensembles of right. some sort. So, yeah, that's a really good idea. And huh, who else can you reach to? I guess students. Yeah, sure. Like. There are students in China who want to learn English. I would say this is a bad idea. Oh. Okay. Yes, they want to speak English. <laughs> so you're going to end up speaking English with them the whole time, mm. which is great because you can make Chinese friends that way, right. but don't expect to learn Chinese from them. Or you can designate <laughs> days like Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We speak in Chinese and then the rest of the day you, we speak in like French or English. Or, you could yeah. try, but you're going to end up speaking English. That'll just, yeah, <laughs> like we tend to slip into whatever is easier for us. But then there are these language immersion programs here in China. I think those, are you familiar with those? Yeah, absolutely. Like where they, all they do is study Chinese, oh, yeah, a lot of them like all day long. Mm -hmm. um, I knew something mm -hmm. like this back when I was in college. Mm -hmm. So back in Cornell, they had this. Uh, the U.S. State Department offers these services. Oh, well, I won't be surprised. I hope they still do. So back in college. Yeah, they do. They uh, we had this program called Falcon 
a language program, and、mm-hmm. I think it was for Japanese. I did not take that, but I、mm-hmm. met students who studied in those programs,、mm-hmm. and we talking in like fluent Chinese, like not perfectly fluent, but we could talk. You know, we could exchange ideas and things like that in Chinese.、Mm-hmm. So I asked them, "How long have you been Chinese?" And they were like. You know, some of them maybe six months, and sometimes one year.、Mm-hmm. I simply could not believe it.、Mm-hmm. Like you can't study Chinese that fast. <laughs> it takes a long time, right? But they were talking to me. They were like, "This is real." And as I've been in this language immersion program,、mm-hmm. where in which like eight hours a day, all we do is study Chinese in using different methods. Of course,、mm-hmm. they spend hours in language labs, like listening, repeating, listening, repeating, and then they have you know they study in class and they read on their own. It was like on all front. It was just they are hit with Chinese language studying all day long,、mm-hmm. and it works.、Mm-hmm. I was shocked, and I think there are similar programs. Well, maybe we'll talk about that later, where our students can. Well, you wanted to talk about the exchange programs,、right. which because we got a lot of content、mm-hmm. here. Could we go over the twenty twenty three tables of institutions, which are according to Nature dot com, are the best institutions in the world?、Mm. This is a list. It goes on forever. It's hundreds of, but I only screenshot the top twenty five. A lot of them are in China. So number one is the Chinese. I'm not too sure what they meant by like count in 2022. Like people or what are these numbers for? Oh, these are the highest quality institutions in the world at STEM, according to Nature.com. Okay, so changes okay. in output from 2021. Like, what does it mean by output? Like students graduated, or that's a separate piece of data, and that's how many journal、oh. articles are published by the institution.、Uh, But this okay, is Nature Index, like the best institutions in the world. STEM number one, Chinese Academy of Sciences (CIS), and number two is Harvard University. This does not mean best university. This is not、mm. like a U.S. News and World Reports.、Uh, which of the best universities?、Ranking. These are the best universities for STEM: science, technology, engineering, and mathematics.、Mm. So in the Top tier in the top twenty-five.、Mm-hmm. There's about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten Chinese institutions. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven U.S. institutions. So if you're interested in studying science, technology,、mm. engineering, or mathematics, China is where you should be going. Mm, and tuition is so much cheaper. Yeah, that's a whole thing. Like compared to college tuition in the U.S., it's like negligible. Or anywhere, anywhere.、Yeah. What's the word? Like it's almost nothing. Negligible. So anyhow, <laughs> yeah, don't worry about the tuition as much. Yeah. In universities in China, it's totally affordable. Well, can I say something about that? If you are going through your university, so you're at I don't know wherever Michigan State University,、mm. San Francisco State University, whatever it is, and you are studying abroad in China for one semester, right through that university, you still have to pay tuition to that university.、Mm. So it actually ends up being the same cost、oh. or even more to study in like Paris or Beijing or something. So what you need to do for these programs is d- apply directly to the university in China and just get into the university. University in China and go because then it'll be dirt cheap, not dirt cheap, but it'll be like but less than ten percent of the cost of attending a U.S. university. Hold on, I think this speaks is related to one article I found. Sure. So on this website called GooverSees.com, okay, there is a piece about cost study abroad China, and it said tuition for a semester of direct enrollment study abroad at, for example, Sichuan University. So Sichuan, known for You know, it's chili hot peppers, right?、Mm-hmm. So one semester in Central University will cost you about fourteen hundred dollars, and I think that's even more, like a lot more than what the Chinese locals are paying.、Mm-hmm. I'm not too sure about、uh, locals' pay, but in comparison, if it's University of Nottingham in Ningbo, so like a sub school. Of a university in a Chinese city, then the tuition for one semester、mm-hmm. goes eight thousand six hundred. This is twenty twenty one tuition number. Do you see the difference here? So you know a famous university in Shanghai.、Uh, it's called Shanghai Jiaotong University.、Mm-hmm. So a semester of study abroad programs with Shanghai Jiaotong University is a little bit shy of two thousand dollars per semester. Wow.、Um, but if you enroll in a similar university under Liverpool University. It's、like they have a some kind of a、mm-hmm. program together, 
then the tuition goes up to about seven thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So I think it's similar to what you were mm-hmm. saying, right? If you want to study in a Chinese university, apply to that Chinese university directly. If you want to save on tuition, I'd like to elaborate on that a lot because okay. the cost of, of Nottingham University is going to be considerably less than that in in the United States. U.S. universities are by far the most overpriced huh. universities in the world by a huge margin. I see. so if you're applying even from a hmm. state school, right, like CSU, I don't know Humboldt or whatever, it's still going to cost you ten to twenty thousand dollars a semester to study abroad. Ooh. So what you want to do, which what Bebe is saying, is not study abroad for a semester or a year or whatever is just come here for your bachelor's degree or come here for your master's degree mm. and apply to the universe. I know people here in Beijing who are currently enrolled in PhD programs from the United States who are, you know, paying mm. what you wouldn't believe, like, you know, less than a thousand dollars a semester. And the cost of living, mm. if you add it to that, isn't the, even the tuition at a state school in the United States. So uh, he's living a really good mm. life mm. and he's getting a PhD at Beida University, one of the best universities in China. Nice. And uh, he's he probably gets uh, scholarship scholarships and all like stipend and all. Yeah, he gets exactly. If you apply directly to the university instead of going through your university, you can get scholarships and basically ride through free. Uh, yeah. Now, this is actually I wanted to come to another topic and co- make this a little bit controversial, baby. Okay. Oh yeah. You're listening to the bridge. I'm in a group of people, which include a Shanghai journalist, Andy Borham, and others. And some interesting thoughts came up in this group. And some of the thoughts were that Americans are already wealthy compared to nations around the world. Why should they get these wonderful opportunities to come study at Chinese universities given by China to American students versus students from Pakistan or students from India or students from Kenya or students from South Africa? And so I wanted to get your take on it. I mean, I have my own perspective, but I thought you might want to weigh in on this because 50,000 is a lot of slots going Mm -hmm. to foreigners and they're going to rich Americans kids. China give all these opportunities to study in China to Americans who are, you know, one of the wealthiest nations in the world. Mm. Why not give these opportunities to people to, from developing countries? I think we do, right? We mm-hmm. do. It's not, mm-hmm. we don't just give out scholarships and these opportunities to students from, you know, wealthy Western nations. Mm-hmm. It's probably in proportions, maybe more people from these wealthier nations are thinking about studying abroad here in China. And I think in the future, I think Beijing is going to be even more, wait, what's the word, like international in a way. Because in Beijing, I mean, there are Mm -hmm. foreigners here in Beijing, but I think in the future, there'll be even more foreigners in in Beijing. Mm -hmm. I've actually heard, you know, this new city that's been built not too far, like close to Beijing. So in the future, I think the arrangement is that, you know, people who find housing and everything too expensive in Beijing, they can choose to move to that huge modern city with like driverless cars and things like that. And then, what? Uh, anyway, that's, you, what huge... is this a magical city you're <laughs> yeah, talking that's about? That's a whole different topic. But the point of that is so that we have more space to accommodate a lot more foreigners, especially wow. exchange students coming into Beijing. So Beijing is going to be like metropolitan, international in a different way from Shanghai. Because Shanghai is more like business oriented, right? Yeah. People go mm-hmm. there for the what's the word glitz, right? Shopping <laughs> and fancy skylights. Sure. But people come here for the heart of China, not just to shop, you know, culture, yeah, culture education, universities, getting to know the country and for also for people in China to get to know the world. Because, yes, we know people from mm-hmm. European countries, from the United States, especially and maybe even Korea and Japan, you know, southeastern countries. But less so with people from, let's say, Central Asia or like um, from Africa, Mm. right? Other parts of like South America. Oh, Guangzhou has a huge African population. Yeah, but not as much here in Beijing. So in the years to come, I look forward to a lot more exchange students and just, um, I think, foreign friends in general to come learn about Chinese culture, what country is really like. 
I posted on Twitter uh, several advertisements of, that I made for come study in China and here's some information about some universities. And so I said, if you need help or you need advice, DM me, which d- means direct message me offline. And so a lot of people did. And I've actually helped a few people start their application process to come to Chinese universities. Oh. I'm expecting a few of my friends now, my new friends, to uh, get into universities in China wow. soon and to make their way over here to China. And what's interesting, I think, mm-hmm. Bebe, is these people we're talking mm-hmm. about who apply directly to Chinese universities don't count as part of the new program. Right. The new program that is being rolled out mm-hmm. is to directly tie with U.S. universities and institutions to have those institutions and uh, universities oh. get American students to come to China to study. But we could have way- So more like an exchange program. Right, exactly. You could also just directly apply to Chinese universities, get in and come and get scholarships. And there's a lot of scholarships available, by the Mm -hmm. way, folks. If you go to individual universities, Mm -hmm. you look at the English section, you look for international students, there'll be lists of scholarships you can apply for. And it may seem like an American university where like there's a thousand people applying for these scholarships, but there's not. There's like 10 people applying for these scholarships. Mm -hmm. So you. I was going to say... You have a very high chance of getting. Yeah, one. I was going to say after these, you know, past few years with COVID and everything, these programs are probably not as competitive as they normally, I guess, was back in the past. They weren't even competitive before. Yeah. And now it's even less. <laughs> so, I mean. Yeah, because in 2018, 2019, almost anyone who wanted to come from America to study at a Chinese university could get a scholarship and come. Mm. So that's one of the really great things about this opportunity is, like Bebe said, there are far fewer foreigners in China right now. So if you apply to a, a prestigious, like the best university mm-hmm. in China, Tsinghua University, mm-hmm. and you apply to any program that you want right now, Right now, mm-hmm. you probably get in and you'll probably get a scholarship. And it's like going, you know, getting into Harvard. Yes. Especially if you apply to Tsinghua or like Beida University, it's literally like getting into Harvard or Princeton or Yale. That kind of feeling. Right. Because these are the most prestigious universities here in China. And these are so competitive, like for Chinese students, like the students studying in Tsinghua, they are of a totally different caliber. Like they need raw brain power because the people who get into these universities, like they got in by pure high test scores, plus their other talents and, you know, their special talents you can add extra points but basically juggling apples well if you can <laughs> i don't know i'm just joking I'm probably because <laughs> you can count as like acrobats but you know like sports or musical talents the same as in the states mm-hmm. but you yeah. do need the test scores and these are so extremely competitive like it's not a university that you can get into just by hard work you know, you got to have the IQ like mm-hmm. I probably will never get in <laughs> no matter how hard I study because other really, really smart people, they also work really hard at the same time. So these are the people who end up going to like Tsinghua University and Beida University. Mm-hmm. But there are other like really good universities mm-hmm. here in China, too. Mm-hmm. Just do the research. Yeah. Yeah. For those of you who want to go to Shanghai, mm-hmm. you got the Jiao Tong, you got Fudan. So mm-hmm. you got there are great universities in every major city, including Beibei's hometown of Wuhan. Oh, it's beautiful. Wuhan University. Where they have Wuhan University. It's, it's lovely. a lovely university. It's probably the number one most beautiful campus. Well, I guess also it depends on how you grade them. It's like, you know, Ivy League in the States. It's not just by how many graduate and with their achievements or donations. Like it depends on what majors and other criteria. Absolutely. It depends on how you rate them. Yeah. But there's a group called Ivy League, right? Yes. Yeah. The Ivy League is actually a very specific group of about nine, actually. That's really funny. It's nine universities that actually had Mm. Ivy growing on their campuses at a certain time in U.S. history. Mm. But actually, the term Ivy League is loosely applied in the United States to the top 20 or so universities. You're listening to The Bridge. So I have a friend who I talk to regularly, at least once a week, who is attending at Beida, mm. and he is not studying Chinese, and he is in an English-only program. So a lot of you may be wondering, oh, I can't go. I don't speak Chinese. Well, two things. Number mm-hmm. one, you can take your you entire <laughs> well, you can take your entire program in English. 
You don't need to actually mm -hmm. have any Chinese. Number two, you mm -hmm. will be given free Chinese classes for all of the time that you're studying there. So you are getting like a master's wow. degree in environmental science, engineering, and management at Tsinghua University, and you're learning Chinese on the side, taking all of your courses in English. So I have taken down Tsinghua University's programs in English, and these are graduate programs, just to give you an example. And I just want to throw a whole bunch out really fast mm -hmm. so you can see how many many kinds mm -hmm. of things there are. Okay. There's a global MBA. There's a master's in Chinese law. Um, these are all in English. Master's in vehicle and mobility. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that means. I was wondering what that is. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. Public administration, global business journalism, public mm -hmm. administration, international masters of public administration, program mm -hmm. of architecture, global manufacturing analytics, and the list goes on and on. That's just the first few. There's an environmental science. Yeah, there's 30 I think that's two. going to be important. There's 32 of them all in English, just one university, and this is just graduate programs. So coming to these universities, mm -hmm. you can study in English and you can study Chinese at the same time. Learn Chinese, take your school in English, and then get your degree. And what an amazing experience. And I just want to add that, like, for example, in Tsinghua University, the food is really good. Like, they're... <laughs> A lot of different canteens wow. and the students. Did like, you study there? Well, I've been there. I've been inside oh, multiple wow. times and I've eaten in like the canteens are scattered like in different parts of the campus, but they are so good. And the ones for the students are the best. Wow. Like the teachers can't even get into them. Really? You know, like the students are so precious for the university. The Their canteens are off limits. Wow. To the teachers and staff wow. because the food is cheaper, like they have student oh. price and the food is better. <laughs> so even their professors don't get to eat with them. <laughs> they can probably, well, they can go eat with their professors, but you know, the price is different. So much cheaper for the students. And there's so many different varieties. I'm like spitting now <laughs> from excitement. <laughs> Summer went to Rinmin University, so she brought me there a couple times mm. to my wife. She attended Rinmin University, so she brought me there on a tour, and she brought me to the student cafeteria. But mm. even as a foreigner who has no association or affiliation with this university, I was able to eat at the canteen there. Um, now, I don't remember if it was like elite delicious or anything, but I remember it was right. way cheaper mm. than street food, which was shocking because street food in Beijing at, at 2015 <laughs> or what, 16 was already like two kwai, three and we were like eating right. two, three kwai, but it was like a huge meal, not just like one of those street hamburger things. So it's like 30 cents for your meal. Yeah, exactly. I want to save some time to introduce some of these programs, like study abroad programs to China. Okay, go ahead. Are you interested? Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. Go for like, it. Like there's an article titled the seven best study abroad programs in China this year. Mm -hmm. And the first on the list is TEAN, T-E-A-N, mm -hmm. which is the Education Abroad Network. So I think it's been in the industry for like 20 years mm -hmm. and was founded by two Americans who now live in China. And they offer students the opportunity to learn at Fudan University in Shanghai, which we mentioned. Yeah, the great. Great experience. Yeah, what rank like top three in China. Also, I got to say, it's easier to live in, in mm. Shanghai as a foreigner because there are so many foreigners there. Yeah, and it's just easy. It's just so convenient and nice, right? Um, so that's one based in Shanghai. And then there's the Omenda Chinese Academy. I was so interested in this one, mm -hmm. but it's studying Chinese, so <laughs> I can't go. <laughs> it's for Mandarin language program, and it's, at, it's in Guilin. Guilin, can you believe it? Oh, wow. I want to study language in Guilin. Let's go. It's like China's... <laughs> I know. I pretend I don't know. Wait, you already know Chinese. <laughs> so it's like China's mountain paradise. <laughs> and so you get immersed, not just in the Chinese language, yeah. but in views so beautiful that it's almost surreal. Like these hills, I don't even know what to call them because they're not like broad-based mountains, but they're not hills either because they just... Mm -hmm. Like they just jut out of flat land so these like columns of hills or mountains whatever you call them mm -hmm. and scattered in the landscape you know how we americans talk about this what do you call them we call it what is it avatar mountains i know it's jangjako but also guili oh. we refer to it that way yeah yeah Probably smaller than that, but mm. it's just a very surreal landscape. I've been to Guilin and it, the view is stunning. I can't, I want to go there like to just like live for months. For those people interested in this program, it's O-M-E-I-D-A, Omida Chinese Academy. Mm. 
Okay, and you will not fail to find study buddies because Omaida students will be in close proximity to native Chinese students who are learning English at the college next door. Wow. And also accommodation, everything is included. Wow. And then the next one is called Chinese Language Institute Immersion Program. This is what you were talking about at the beginning, where you just oh. totally immersed. Oh, right, exactly. You know, some programs like that. And this one too is based in, you know, beautiful landscape with waterfalls, rivers and beautiful cycling routes in Guangxi. <laughs> have I been to Guangxi? It sounds really far away, <laughs> but I haven't been there. I would expect stunning scenery. And it said CLI is recommended for the most serious Chinese immersion students. Okay, so if you're just like, you want to just dabble a little bit, maybe this is not your choice. If you want to party, it's Shanghai. <laughs> <laughs> Jason knows, yeah. So this program, I think it's partnering with Guangxi Normal University. So Normal University, they are for teachers, right? Future teachers. Yeah. So, and yeah. the their advertisement, I guess this could be their advertisement. It says, you'll be surrounded by waterfalls, rivers, and cycling, a perfect atmosphere for outdoor enthusiasts in a region dotted with traditional villages for a dose of authentic Chinese culture. I got a question for you mm -hmm. on this topic. Before we move on to number four, would you rather, Bebe, if someone who's never been to the United States study in L.A. or study in Yosemite? Uh like, I think a lot of, uh, my assumption is a lot of Americans are going to want to come and see Chinese cities. But then there is a difference, right? I will certainly choose like Shanghai, for example, if I was a first timer. Right. But then there's a difference between Guilin and Guangxi Autonomous Region yeah. with Yosemite. Because even in like <laughs> village areas, there are people, you know, mm. like you'll see people all over the place. Mm. It's just much more populated in general than in the States. Mm. So like, mm. yeah, I was expecting in national parks, you'll probably only have like what bears and other animals to talk to. <laughs> so <laughs> not Maybe. the best yeah, place sure. to learn English. <laughs> Anyhow. <laughs> Anyhow, Jason. Number four. Number four. Number four on baby's list. It's based in Shanghai. It's called IES Abroad Shanghai Economy, Business and Society. Huh. So it's nonprofit IES, mission-driven organization dedicated to providing quality, award-winning programs, okay, with a commitment to diversity and inclusion. Hmm. And they have well. What's great about this one mm -hmm. is is that they have you can you either study at Fudan or Jiaotong, which both of us already mentioned. And which is better is they offer five million in scholarship funds every year. What? So go search for IES Shanghai program. I'm sorry, I'm no longer going to be host of the bridge. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> Wait, this five million in scholarship funds is not for one person, Jason. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Maybe you'll get your five thousand, but who knows? And also they partner. So if you go to this program, there will be a field trip to other Asian cities like Tokyo or Seoul for guess mm. for what? For mm. comparative analysis. Wow. <laughs> I think that's another it's just a fancier way of saying like yeah. for fun or sushi right. or barbecue. So and down the list, there's OK, this one is odd. There's a Kono Cultural Exchange Program, K-O-N-A-L-L. -L. Mm -hmm. That's a based... Homestays. Oh, you know about that? Well, I just know. Uh, yeah, it's you go and live in someone's home. Oh. And it's based in Shijiazhuang. I know a lot of Chinese people who did this in America. Yeah, I think that's popular. <laughs> Xi Jinping did that. President Xi lived in someone's home. I think the family was invited to San Francisco, right? Well, President Xi was there. Yeah, that's right. They had took some pictures together. Yeah. yeah. So anyhow, so this program is based in Shijiazhuang. Maybe I guess our listeners have never heard of it. I suppose it's not the most exciting place on the planet, but it's not too far from Beijing. Two hours south of Beijing. Yeah, you could get on a train and yeah, just shoot yeah. over to Beijing. Pretty uh, that will not be my first choice. I'm just saying like. Mm. Well, the most famous actress for Westerners looking into the Chinese mainland, Zhou Dongyu, is from Shijiazhuang. You think she's the most famous actress? Are you kidding me? For Americans looking into the Chinese movies, not really? for Chinese people, what they think of themselves. Yeah. You guys have different perspectives. Okay, That's up yeah, to yeah. debate. She looks like a high school student. Anyhow. She's also one of the most famous models in the world. And she has, she works for like. What? Yeah. If you go into like a mall today in China or in Europe and you look around, there'll be pictures of her everywhere. She's like skinny as a stick. But <laughs> anyhow, we're off topic. Yes. So for this program, you can go for a monthly intensive program or like there's this HSK test track. Yeah. sounds more HSK, serious. HSK, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm still in, stuck in HSK4. <laughs> 
so it was after like 11 years. <laughs> Wait, four is what level? What level is four? It, four is communicative, but not fluent. Like I'm kind of <laughs> scratching at fluency. Uh, okay. <laughs> keep scratching, Jason. <laughs> Good luck. I'm going to keep scratching. <laughs> and then down the list. Oh, Shenzhen. That's exciting too. Yeah. So there's the Georgia Tech University in partnership with the city of Shenzhen mm -hmm. and to churn out international students studying engineering. Mm -hmm. I guess that's no surprise, right? Yeah. Um, so courses with Georgia Tech are taught inside the high-tech industry park of Shenzhen. Yeah. And you will be like literally steps away from hundreds of high-tech companies. That's like the future... Robots. Yeah, Silicon Valley of China. Yeah, you'll probably... Yeah. Um, the taxi you hail on the street will be driverless, which will freak me Maybe, out. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, actually, a lot of those campuses down there in Shenzhen that you'd be studying at have driverless cars that are free throughout the campuses. All you have to do is jump in one and tell it where you want to go and it'll bring you there. Can I ask, like, if I happen to hail a driverless taxi, can I yeah. sit at the driver's seat? So if anything happens, I can, like, step on the brake? You can. Yeah, you could do that. Sure. Why not? But usually the, uh -oh. the QR okay. code to scan to get in is in the back because we have those in Beijing now. We have driverless buses and I driverless cabs. You can order them almost anywhere in the city. And on the west side over here where I live, they're literally everywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have to choose them. Really? You uh, have to choose when you're know. in open your DD app, which is like that. Uber. When you open DD, you have to select it. Mm. It won't just happen to be one. So don't worry. You won't, unless you deliberately order one, baby, a, a car will not show mm. up and just a ghost is driving. <laughs> you know, electrical vehicles, they sound eerie enough because they don't sound like anything. They're just like air coming close. <laughs> and then if air coming close, and with no driver inside, mm -hmm. I think I just run, mm. <laughs> especially in the middle of the night. So anyhow, down the list. Oh, 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 Chengdu, Chengdu. This one is in Chengdu. So USAC, Chengdu, Chinese Language and Culture Studies. Pandas. Yes. Not very close to the panda. I think there's the base of panda, right? There's several panda zoos and research bases there. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've been to that one. Yeah, the baby pandas are so cute. And also Chengdu, it's the capital city of Sichuan province. Mm -hmm. And it's known for beautiful mountainous, mm -hmm. you know, scenery. And of course, the panda bears. And if you jump on a train, you can go see the giant mm -hmm. Lushan Buddha, which is a Buddha carved in the size of a mountain oh. in about 30 minutes by high-speed mm -hmm. train. See, I'm sure there will be no lack of fun things to do if you go to Chengdu. And tea houses, right? Relaxing atmosphere, all that. Yeah. It's a very so beautiful that's city, a good yeah. choice. Absolutely. Well, yeah. I mean, another thing is you, these are just some programs that we have. A lot of U.S. universities do have study exchange programs. So you can go. I, I mm. took a screenshot of one from San Francisco State University here. This is from flagship.sfsu.edu study abroad resources. And it mentions this is a bit old, but it mentions that there was a mm. Study abroad fair going on. This was before the pandemic, but I'm sure they're going to bring this kind of thing back. So if you want to go to fairs with your university, you can show up and they'll show you a suite of universities around the world in addition to China. Usually there's France, Germany, and others, and you can find a program that's suitable for you. Now, if you have, like we were talking, Bebe and I were saying at the beginning of the show, if money is no object, this is a really great opportunity because you can just go study for one semester or a year. <laughs> but if, if if you're like a normal person and you don't want to pay through the nose, it is better to just apply for a program. May I make a couple recommendations real quick, baby? Sure. If you are already enrolled in your bachelor's program in the United States, it's probably a good idea for you to just finish that. So you don't want to just jump out of it or anything. And it's going to be very complicated. <laughs> but consider a master's mm -hmm. degree can be one year. Consider coming to China mm -hmm. for an all English master's program where you study for a year or two and study Chinese while mm -hmm. you're here. It could be a great opportunity while you're not because mm -hmm. you may be graduating from the United States with student loans. You may not, but you could come over to China for a year and you could pause your student loan payments because you're still studying and you can not add additional fees to the total amount that you owe I see. because you will be taking mm. a very inexpensive master's degree or getting scholarships to go along with that. With your existing bachelor's degree plus your master's degree from China, you'll be set to conquer the world. What do you think, Pepe? Wow. I think I was thinking that. So if I don't want to pay my student loan back, I can just, you know, stay in school forever. Keep studying like five Finding new programs, yeah, forever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah.
You're listening to the Bridge. I have I knew a friend named Aaron who tried to do it. Mm-hmm. At some point, the university's like, "You have four hundred units. We're kicking you out." <laughs> <laughs> oh darn it! So anyhow, so about tuition, I mentioned a few of these study abroad programs, right? So these turned out、mm. to be a lot more expensive than if you, let's say, apply to a university、mm. to study for a semester. I have some prices here.、Mm-hmm. So tuition for a semester of study abroad through a third party provider. So the seven that we mentioned. Well, th- that's the seven we mentioned. So, for example, the one in Chengdu, USAC, it cost about seven thousand three hundred dollars. That's the price for twenty twenty two for a semester. Uh, uh, is so, that how long is that one? A full year for a semester. A one semester. Seven thousand dollars, right? And that's the cheaper one. Like if the one for IFSA slash Alliance. Public health policy and practice. It doesn't say what school it is for here, and that costs sixteen thousand dollars, five hundred dollars. And the ISA study abroad in Shanghai costs about twelve thousand dollars. Wow. And TEAN, the first one we mentioned, TEAN study abroad in Shanghai, China, that costs about the same, like twelve thousand, a little less than that. So it's not the cheapest form. The cheapest still, if you just apply to the universities, and as you said, a master program, right? You'll probably win a scholarship.、Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. I, I also、talking. want to mention these giant universities like Tsinghua University, Beida, Peking University, or Be- also known as Beida、mm. University, also known as Beijing University. These universities oftentimes have partnerships for graduate programs with American universities. So, literally, Tsinghua University、mm. has PhDs that are with, like UC Berkeley. So you can attend Tsinghua University in China、mm. while getting a PhD that's going to say Tsinghua and Berkeley on it when you graduate. So, for those of you who like fancy, you, know, you want to. Get a little international schnaz or riz or whatever. You can do it that <laughs>、yeah. way. Well, I think we have enough information for one <laughs> episode、uh, for our listeners to take in. But、Absolutely. if you have more、Absolutely. questions, don't worry. Feel free to text Jason. <laughs> Probably not me, but Jason. Hey. <laughs> Or hey, hey, email us at we love the bridge at gmail dot com, and I'll be happy to raise your questions on the air, and maybe we, Bebe, and I will try、right. to field them and answer them here. So if you have questions about what it's like to study in China, you feel we didn't answer your question, please email us at we love the bridge,、mm-hmm. all one word, we love the bridge at gmail dot com, and we'll raise your question on the air and give you the answer that you're looking for. Thank you so much for your time, listeners. Thank you.、Bebe. Cool. Thank you, Jason. Bye, Jason. Bye, listeners. Oh yeah. Oh yeah.